Good morning. The reading today is uh, from Romans 5, uh, 3 to 5. That's uh, Romans 5, 3 to 5. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that our that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given. Good morning, church. <laughs> so, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was in a webinar, and the speaker said something that caught my attention. He said the time, or history in general, could now be referred to as having two parts. And these are the two parts. B.C. and A.C. You know what that stands for? Probably think, well, before Christ and after... No. Before COVID and after COVID, things have changed. This virus has wreaked havoc, uncertainty, and suffering all across the globe. In our country, in our province, in our city, our neighborhoods our communities, and perhaps even in our families and in our homes. So you're probably sick and tired of COVID-19. I understand. But I understand as well that you can agree with me when I say that all of us need encouragement today, especially during this time of crisis. So this morning, I would like to say that this is the perfect time for the church to shine the light of Jesus into the world and into our communities and in our families. This is the perfect time to remember what we've learned from God through his word about struggles. You know, remember the, 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 the things that God has told us about struggles? One of them is, was read by Brad today. That's our scripture reading this morning in Romans 5, 3 to 4. God tells us through his apostle Paul, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. And in Brad's version, it says we also rejoice in our sufferings. And that is also um, um, uh, mimicked in another part of the, the New Testament, which is James 1, verse 2. James tells us, uh, count it all joy when we fall into various kinds of trials. So this is the time that we can do that. With this pandemic, with this, uh, with this crisis that we have, we can rise above, see it as a positive. Why? Because then we can live our lives faithfully for God and serve and lead our communities as we go through this pandemic. How do we do that? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us the reason why here. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. You know, with every problem, we can choose to do two things. We can go through it or we can grow through it. When we choose to go through a problem, we would cover our eyes and ears and say, I have nothing to do with this. I don't want this. Let this pass. I don't want to hear it. But then if we choose to grow through it, we are going to learn from it. We are going to persevere. And we are going to grow our character as we persevere. We are going to be wiser. We are going to be more effective, more efficient, more compassionate, more forgiving. 
We are going to be better. We are going to grow more in our relationship and in our faith. And in so doing, we are going to be that much closer to the hope that we have in Christ. When good things happen, it's hard for us to um, to think about spiritual things. It's hard for us to think about our home in heaven because we are thinking about our home here on earth. But when bad things happen, especially given this pandemic, then we are that much closer to that hope. Because we persevere, we build character, and we think about that hope. So this morning, I would like to encourage all of us by saying that given this pandemic, we can shine the light of Christ and live out our faith and lead and serve in our communities. So the title of our lesson this morning is that, Living and Leading During COVID-19. And to do this this morning, I would like us to look into the life of Gideon. He's an Old Testament character. We see his story in Judges, chapter 6, verse 7. And in that particular story, Gideon goes through adversity as well. He goes through a struggle, a problem that uh, he had to overcome so that, uh, by living out his faith, that he's living out his life faithfully for God so that he can serve and lead his community, the people of Israel, to the hope that they have through that adversity that they are going that they were going through. So um, we are going to look at five lessons that we can apply directly to our situation today with this pandemic from the story of Gideon. So the story begins in Judges chapter 6, verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. The story starts out really straightforward. There's the complication right there, right away. The problem is that Israel forgot about their covenant with God once again. And then um, they needed to be reunited with God, reconciled with God. In the history of the, the people of God in the Old Testament, God has used the adversities that have befallen them to bring them back to him. So this is the same in this particular story. The Midianites had been oppressing them for seven years. And in verse 2 of Judges 6, we read, Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. So as you can see here, the Midianites were so powerfully oppressive against Israel that the Israelites chose to leave their cities and towns and move to the mountains and into the caves and make strongholds out of them. We can appreciate this today with this COVID-19. You guys see that? Because of the nature of the virus, we have been doing whatever we can to contain it. And to do that, we physical distance from one another. We're holed up in our homes. We understand the effect of, um, restrict, or, or, of our freedom being restricted. I know it's not the same, but we, it, 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 uh, it, it, it's important for us to understand that, you know, that to note that we understand what the Israelites were going through during this time. Right? We, we, have, we have an idea. Okay? And in verse 3 of Judges 6, we read, Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. So the Israelites' enemies would see them planting their, 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 their crops. And come harvest time, they would go over to the, to the land of Israel, ravage the, 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 the cities and towns and the fields, take 
their harvests, take their crops, and in the account they would also take livestock and kill them so that nothing is left for the Israelites to eat. So again, this we can appreciate and we can relate to in our, in, in our situation today. Many of us have lost our livelihood and our jobs because of COVID-19. I know it's not the same thing, but again, it bears noting that we, we could appreciate what the Israelites are going through. You know, their, their adversity is similar to ours. Although it's not the same, it's similar. But look at verse 6 of Judges 6. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. So the first lesson that we can glean from the story of Gideon is that adversity shifts our focus to God. You know, when I was reading this account, I can't help but read it in a way that I I find that the Israelites only went to God after having suffered oppression from the Midianites for seven years. I'm probably wrong, but that's how I read it. But all that to say, I wanted to say that for us, during any calamity, during any pandemic or any suffering or, or, or adversity, uh, my, my prayer is that we would always go to God first. Okay? Because it, it doesn't matter if it's during a time of adversity or a time of plenty. We need to always focus our minds to God. But be that as it may, we're in a, we're in a pandemic right now. And we need to refocus our sights onto God. Uh, this pandemic has helped us understand what's important and what's more important. It helps us understand what's important and what's essential. Do you guys understand that? I mean, there are a lot of important things in our lives. But how many essential things do we have in our lives? Essential meaning we can't go without. Physical things are essential. But more essential, more important than the physical things are the spiritual things. Those are really the things that are essential, essential. And I, I remember at the start of uh, the pandemic, March 11, the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 as a pandemic or a global epidemic. And then March 12, do you guys remember what happened? Hockey fans would know what happened on March 12. Yeah, you guys know. The NHL said they were going to cancel the rest of the season. And everybody went, boo, right? How can we live without hockey? How can we live without looking forward to the next game? How are we going to do that in Canada? And then we realized what's important and what's essential. We realized that hockey is important. Yeah, we love hockey. But we don't need it to live. How do we know that? Because we're still alive today and hockey has been gone for about three months now. Right? So that right then and there, we understand what's important, more important and essential. And this pandemic has helped us understand that. It even allowed us to stay at home so that we can really look and focus on the people around us in our families that are very important in our lives. More important than our jobs more important than our hobbies, than our daily routines, than entertainment. It's our families. Let's focus on God again. So the people of God called on him for help 
in time, in this time of adversity, because they were being oppressed by the Midianites. God heard them. So God brings a messenger, an angel, to the people of Israel. And that's where we learn the next lesson in the story of Gideon. In verse 11 of chapter 6, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So the angel of the Lord came down to the home of Gideon. And this is the next lesson. This is what Gideon was doing when he met the angel. He was threshing wheat in a wine, pre- in a wine press. Do you guys understand how difficult that is? Threshing wheat is this process of taking out the grain from the stalk of, of, the, of the grass or of the plant, right? But normally, the Israelites back then would do it in an open field. They would do it in an open field where there's like a big thing of rock on the ground so they can lay their crops there and do, do their thing, do the separation. But that separation, that threshing of wheat is aided by the wind, so that the chaff and all the other stuff would go and they would separate the grain from them. But doing that in a wine press would be difficult because a wine, pl- wine press literally is a hole in the ground. You would put the grapes there, you would stomp it out so that the juices would fall making wine. Doing that inside a hole, uh, threshing wheat would take way more time and way more effort. But here's the question, why, is, why was he doing it? Because he needed to do it. If he threshed wheat in the open fields, then his enemies would see him. And then his enemies would take the wheat from him. And so he would not have food. So this said, adversity allows us to really innovate. It allows us to really uh, do the things that we need to do to solve the problem. So in short, The second lesson that we can learn from Gideon's story is that adversity creates resilience. Resilience is our ability to bounce back after we fall. Resilience is our ability to stand up to trials and to adversity by using whatever we, we have to survive, to sort out the problem. And we've seen that today in our COVID-19 time. An example is what we're doing right now. The fact that most of you, like all of us, pretty much, the majority of us are at homes watching this. Worship broadcast or worshiping online. It's probably not, not, not your cup of tea. You probably hate it. But you know, we have reached way more people doing this above and beyond our congregation. There are people right now that are watching this outside of Manitoba. Across Canada, people are watching this, I hear. From BC, all the way, from my, from my knowledge, all the way to the province of Quebec. There are people in the States watching this. There are people in Africa watching this today. And also in Asia. So if you're watching this and you're not from a member of our congregation, you're not here in Winnipeg, please write down in the comments where you're from so we can appreciate and we can be encouraged by that. Because this happened because It built resilience in our congregation. But resilience, when we choose not to be resilient, we choose to do other things. 
And this is what happens when resilience is ignored. These two things settle in. Instead of resilience, complaining and negativity settle in. That's what will happen. You know, I was, uh, when I was thinking about this, it reminded me of a story that happened to me when I was in the Philippines um, as, as part of the Canadian Forces Disaster Assistance Response Team. I was part of the DART team that went over to the Philippines to help uh, with the destruction of the typhoon Haiyan. The center of, of, of the Philippines, you know, the, the middle part of the Philippines, Visayas, was totally destroyed. And the, and the Canadian Forces was there to help. Many of the team uh, that, 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 that was there, we saw a lot of really bad things. We saw the Philippines for, for what it was. Like the, we saw a lot of poverty. We saw a lot of things that we haven't seen in Canada. And I say this story because it, it made me realize the key to resilience. It's an attitude of mind. It's an attitude of mind that, that thinks about what we have in comparison to what we could have. Things could be worse. And when we think about it that way, all of a sudden, what we have is really good. And so we become resilient and we become content and appreciate what we have in Christ. So I'm going to show you some pictures here. I could have shown you so many pictures, but I'm going to focus on just the houses that were destroyed. Okay? I'm going to tell you what my team told me after they saw this and talked to the people whose houses were destroyed. Okay? So first, first house is this. Okay, you guys are probably going, wow, that's destroyed. That's not a destroyed house. That's an actual. That's actually a house that's rebuilt. People live there. Families live there. I think in this one particular house, a family of six lives there. Okay, I'm going to show you a house that's destroyed, right there. That's destroyed. A family still lives there while they rebuild. Okay, here is what it looks like when they're rebuilding it. A family lives there. You're probably thinking here in Canada, that is not even a shed in my backyard. That I was I was speaking with this with this family here, and they were saying, Oh, we, we have a chance to rebuild better. They're rebuilding their house better. For those people whose houses were totally annihilated, this is one of the things that we saw. They were li- living right behind there. The person who took this picture could not bear to walk around and take a picture of them. Because there's children in there, in that family, who were sick, like high fever. And you know, my team, when they came up to me and said, they were crying. These are grown men and women in the Korean forces wearing uniform, came up to me and said, I can't even. Back in Canada, I was a complainer. I complained a lot of things in Canada. This person who took these pictures told me, okay? I complained about a lot of things in Canada. But after seeing this and talking to the people who who did not even tell me one word or one iota of complaining in their voices, I'm going to go back and realize that I have nothing to complain about. Understanding that adversity creates resilience in us it's important to understand as well that it is an attitude of mind, knowing what we have in Christ. 
So adversity creates resilience. So now, the angel of the Lord is in front of Gideon. And this is what he tells Gideon. The Lord, through the angel, turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So God, through the angel, was telling, is telling, uh, was telling Gideon, Okay, I am sending you. So that means the power inside of you is immense because I am sending you. I am God. And then he gives him his task, his mission. You are going to save Israel out of Midian's hand. That is going to be your task. What do you think Gideon said? Well, Gideon said this. Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. I probably would have said the same thing. Like, you know, thinking about it. I know God is there talking. Like, you know, God is probably going, I'm going to slap your face. I'm God. There's an angel right in front of you. This is all miraculous. You should be going, oh my goodness, yes, I'm going to do it. But why would you say, how can I? How can you use the words weak and least when I am sending you myself? But God is so patient with, with, with Gideon. God promised him two things when, after he said this. In verse 16 of chapter 6, the Lord answered, I will be with you. And then he essentially promised him victory. You will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. He wrote the story right then and there. You are going to be victorious. So the story for us today, the third lesson, is that adversity pushes us to grow. We might be going, oh, I don't know if I can do this. This is so tiring. This is so sad. I don't have any. My, my ability to do so many things have been, have been hampered by this COVID thing. And we look for scapegoats. We look for things to blame. But it's an opportunity for us to grow. God has given us so many promises. And I think the key for us right now to grow is to remember the promises of God. If we do not remember the promises of God, we're not going to grow. Let's go back to God's promise to, to Gideon. Okay? God promised Gideon, I will be with you. God promised that to us as well. And he promised us victory as well. Maybe perhaps not worldly and physical things in our, in our, in our, in our plans in the world. But after this world is done, even when we die, you know where we're going to go? We're going to go to victory. We're going to go to heaven. He's written the story right in front of us. It's a done deal. Whatever happens in this world, we're going to heaven. So what have we got to lose? We need to only grow in that promise. When we don't think about God being with us, it's not going to happen. I appreciate the songs that Chad led today. Because it showed, it, it, it talked to us about the promises of God to be here. Never once will we ever walk alone. We sang that song. Because he said he's going to be with us. You know, presence, the presence of God is a huge theme in the Bible. God has always wanted to be with his people. How did God deal with his people across the generations, across time? Think about God the Father. You know, there's three. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? God the Father in the Old Testament dealt with His people Himself. 
He's there. The burning bush, the cleft of the rock, the mountain in the wilderness, the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy of Holies, promises like, I will be with you to his prophets and to his people. And they have it in their songs. In the book of Psalms, for example. One of my favorites is Psalm 46. Remember that? Uh, the Lord is my refuge and strength. An ever-present help in times of trouble. He says, I'm there for you guys. I'm there for you. Now, the New Testament. We have, you know, we had God the Father. Now we have God the Son. He ushered in the New Testament. Jesus Christ has many names. Lord of Lords, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel. Do you guys know what Emmanuel stands for? What it means? God with us. Presence. He's here. Before he left, before he ascended into heaven. You remember what he promised his disciples in Matthew 28, verse 20? Matthew 8, uh, yeah, verse 20 of, of the Great Commission. Do you guys remember? I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And also before he ascended, he promised his disciples there's going to be this helper, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Where is the Holy Spirit? Where does he live? Doug is going. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Remember what it says? Don't you know that you are the temple of God? And that God's Spirit dwells in you. God is here with us. But we fail to, to grow because we fail to realize that on a daily basis. We fail to commune in the presence of God. Do you think we will do things differently in worship? You know, the way that we worship God. If we just remember that, hey, God is with us. God is with me. Right now, he's, he's with me. Even in the comfort of your homes. If you're by yourself watching this, God is with you. How do you think your worship is going to change when you realize that? How do you think your giving is going to change when you realize that? How do you think your work in the kingdom will change when you realize that? How do you think you will use your time and your efforts when you realize that? How do you think... The things that you do on your own, by yourself, when you're just by yourself in private, will change when you realize that. We will grow. We will grow because of this. We will grow because of this adversity. Because we know that God is here with us. So, just to do a little recap of the story so far. There's a problem. The Midianites are oppressing Israel. To the point of abject poverty. They call on to God and God sends an angel to Gideon. And God tells Gideon, I'm going to be with you. This is going to be your mission. You're going to save your people from the people of Midian. You're going to annihilate them. You're going to destroy them. None of them are going to remain alive. So now what does Gideon do? Does he go over there, gather up? Oh, okay, guys, God showed up to me. The angel showed up to me. He told me, I'm gonna ha- we're going to have a task. Let's go. Let's, let's get these guys. Is that what he did right away? No. He had to do one thing first to make sure that he gave God 100% for this task. Here's what he did. 
verses 26, 25 to 26 of Judges 6. That same night, the Lord said to him, to Gideon, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. Gideon did not go over there to where the Midianites were to destroy them. First, he had to tear down his idols, his father's idols, and the idols of his community. And in turn, build a proper kind of altar for God. That is the fourth lesson that we learn from the story of Gideon. Adversity exposes our idols. And when they're exposed right in front of us, we have to get rid of them. So that we can give our best to God. Because that's part of refocusing our attention to God. That's part of our resilience. That's part of our growth. It's giving up our idols to God. You know, we've seen the things earlier. We said there's essential things. There's important things. And there's less important things in life. We have to be careful that we do not allow the things that we view as important to be spiritually essential enough for them to replace God in our lives. You know, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest idols that we have in our lives is ourselves. Do you guys realize that, right? Sometimes I think that I'm more important than God. And when that happens, I complain. And I put my hands up in the air Wanting to go through this problem instead of growing through this problem. You know, Linda, Linda sent me a comic and I thought I'd share it with you because I think it really goes to show the effect of selfishness. The effect of that idol of self in our, in our lives as Christians because we will fail to live and lead during this pandemic if we're selfish. So here's, here's the cartoon right here. You guys, can you guys read that? So there's a person on the ground with his leg hurting. says, my leg. And this guy says, go get help. And this guy standing up there has a choice. Okay? I'm pretty sure you're going to go, oh, I'm going to help. It's because you're not selfish. But if you're selfish, this is what you would say. What about my legs? I have legs too. Won't you take care of my legs? I know some people are like, that's weird. That's a weird cartoon. But that's what I thought too first. But if you think about it, there's a lot of things that need help. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of causes that need help today. And if I'm not careful, my selfishness will cloud the need and say, well, I need it too. So I'll just keep this for myself. And in so, in effect, we will not grow and we will keep that idol of self in our lives. The last thing that uh, we can learn from the story of Gideon is very important. Okay, So now they're ready to attack. They're ready to get rid of the Midianites from their lives right away. In Judges chapter 7, verse 1, we read, Early in the morning, Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the, sp- at the spring of Herod. 
the camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill, near the hill of Moreh. So they're ready for victory. They're ready to grasp that victory. It's in their hands because God said they're going to have it. But there's a problem. Probably going, what's the problem? That's, they're ready. Actually, God had a problem. This is what God said. This is not cool with God right now. This is not good. Okay? In that account, there's 32,000 men in, in the army. But there's a problem identified by God. Here it is. Here's the problem. Judges chapter 7, verse 2, the first part. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. Why is that a problem? God, come on. Like, you said we're going to win. So why is that a problem? The more, if you're a Filipino, you say the more the menier, right? But the more the better. Why is this a problem? Well, this is the reason God gave. Why is this a problem? Second part of chapter, seven, of chapter 7, verse 2. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. They're going to say, my own strength has saved me. And so the story goes that from 32,000, the number of men were cut down to 10,000, down to 300. From 32,000 to 300. And with that number, 300, this is what God said. Then the Lord said to God, with the 300 that lapped, I will deliver you and give the Midianites into your own hand. Less than 1%. God actually needed 0%. He didn't need anyone. But God always wanted to partner with us because He wants to be with us. We are, we are an important partner in His sight, but that's why He wanted to always be with us. He wants us to always contribute. Yesterday we had an amazing study by, by, uh, by Miles in our men's Zoom workshop. Jehoshaphat. God said, God told them, they, have a, they had a similar problem. People were attacking them. God said, this is not your war. This is not your battle. It's my battle. You don't need to do anything. But they needed to be there. They needed to show up. It's the same thing here. They still, we still need to show up. But the fifth lesson that I want us to really zone in on is the fact that adversity teaches us to trust in God's power. Not in our power. His power. Because who are we? We're nothing without God. We're nothing without God. So today, if you're, if you're here with us, and there's this conviction in your heart to turn back to God, or to turn to God, to focus your life and your mind to God for the first time. We're going to sing a song. It's called Reign in Me. It's a prayer. Ask the Lord to reign in you. But you know this song, we've been singing this for a long time, right? This song is also a song of revival. If this song were around in the time of Israel during Gideon's time, they would have sang this. They left God and now they want to come back to God. This is a song of revival. How do we know that? Because there's this one word in the song that we always sing, but we don't, we fail to realize. Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams in my darkest hour. You are the Lord of all I am. So won't you reign in me again? If this is something that you feel, you know what? This pandemic has really made me think about God again. 
Won't you ask him to reign in you again? And if you need to do this for the first time, the waters of baptism here are ready for you in the church building. Give me a call. Give Miles a call. And we will arrange that for you today. Chad.